0: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer joins us now. Tony, a belated belated, uh, Merry Christmas, a belated Happy New Year, Year. Uh, an expression of deep gratitude from my staff and me and from all of your fans among my viewers for all the time you gave us in 2023 and all of your astute analysis and a hope that uh, we can continue to work uh, together here and at the other place where we work called Newsmax uh, during this coming year.
1: Yes, sir. Well, I look forward to working with you and I appreciate your uh, ever uh, direct approach to the world from a fact-based, not an emotional-based perspective. And I've always I appreciated this since I've met you. And I appreciate that as a as a friend and as a colleague. Who's well, we a, have educated each other. So. You've
0: educated me in military and intelligence. And and I've talked to you a lot about uh, the Constitution. Indeed. And, and and our viewers should know that you are a, a candidate for,
1: is it county commissioner? I am. I'm running for county commissioner in District 2 of Chowan County here in North Carolina. So... Uh, I, uh, I am the Republican candidate. There was no other Republicans that showed up. So I've got a general in November of this year. So, Well, best
0: of luck to you. And I'm sure a lot of our uh, viewers share that, uh, share that wish. Okay, Thank on you. to our uh, work uh, today. Uh, how do you think Vladimir Putin, I realize he's still in his prime and the war is still going on, although it's virtually uh, over. Yeah. Uh and he has survived uh, the coup by uh, Prigozhin. He has survived beautifully, I think the um sanctions imposed by Biden. How do you think history views him?
1: Well, it depends on which history you're referring to because at this point, I think the history of the Russian Republic is distinct and different from the Western Perspective on history. Um, you and I were mentioning Jack Divine as we were getting ready to come on. Certain folks in the West will still not acknowledge specific and indisputable facts relating to the return of prominence of the Russian Republic. It's it's it, it's it is what it is, and the fact that we have experts such as jack and others in the mainstream media who simply cannot acknowledge that putin has done what he set out to do that basically that there are are uh, grievances which putin has stated going back to the early 2000s that he chose not to act on until you know about 6 7 years ago and that when they started pushing back the, the west simply ignored putin and said he was a madman he was a an aggressor and all these other things it's like so the western perspective on putin is not actually what the russian people or those following russia where i I don't even say they're loyal to russia i think that those who are objective regarding russia and its its, uh, direction will write about history putin is a strong man i've said this I, i i am i am no fan of putin putin started off Uh, as a KGB guy and, and, and service to the Soviet union, we fought a war to, to, a cold war as it was to defeat the Soviets. We did, we won, we, we beat them. And now all these years later, uh, without regard to agreements made in the, in the nineties, nor the fact that the Russians have said over and over again, that there's a need to maintain some level of security because there is a history of Russia being invaded I don't have the list in front of me, but I, I often have it and, and I go through and talk about those events which uh, inculcated in the Russian soul and the collective soul a belief that they are vulnerable. It is what it is. You can't you can't just simply declare the Russian culture to be insane. You you, you cannot just say, oh, we, we don't agree with you. Therefore, we're going to trouble you. But that's what the West has done. So so that's a that's a I'm, I'm, this is a difficult question to ask because uh, answer because. The Western perspective and 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 so in Russian perspective are completely different regarding Putin's
0: why do you think that uh, the neocons the Biden administration the Lindsey Grahams uh, even John the late John McCain why do you think they hated him and despise him and well that and, I don't hate, get. and, and hate all things Russian so this is not, uh, this is not the Soviet Union of the Nixon era well
1: that this was is my not second.
0: Joe Stalin.
1: Yeah. No, uh, this is where I don't get it because even if you don't like Putin, it doesn't mean you shouldn't deal with him. I believe we should have a good relationship with Putin. I know this is, sounds contradictory, but it's not. Simply because uh, someone is a thug who runs a country a certain way, that is by the way accepted by their culture. They they culturally accept him. It's not my judge to, ju- to to it's not my job to judge them on what they the Russians believe is in their best interest. It's not my job Amen. If they th- if they think that they they love Putin, God bless them. Go, go love Putin. I don't I don't care. Not my deal. But the issue becomes why do does the neocons wish to actually in my judgment interfere within the inner workings of the Russian Republic? Why what are they your, interested what's in the your in best
0: practice? what's your best take on that
1: question? The neocons have always had this odd combination of totalitarianism and a thirst for, for conquest. It's almost like uh, they've read the book 1984 and recognized that permanent, a permanent state of war would benefit uh, their political uh, uh, aspirations. And it seems to me that poking the Russian bear, literally and figuratively in this case, uh, has given them what they want, some level of authority and power that allows them to use uh, essentially military conflict and, and international friction as a tool to maintain their political influence because that's what it does for them. If you just sit back and look at what it does for them, for the neocons, this gives their them relevance and purpose in life to basically be a bully. They are the political bullies of today's uh, uh, political landscape. They are. I mean, I just, just, if you analyze, if you look at a high school bully judge and you look at what they do, it's like, I think it's almost the same thing. Got it. Got They're it all got it. And so I think that's why they do it, because there are a bunch of bullies who have no other purpose in life except to trouble those uh, people around them and those institutions that will give them power. So
0: uh, the other day um, we interviewed uh, Scott Ritter from Moscow uh, and he had a colleague uh, with him, uh, a fellow who's um, a financial guy, investor, builder, developer. Uh, but also uh, an official in a, in a regional uh, government, part-time yeah. uh, official. And we had a translator, and this uh, fellow, Alexander, uh, answered pretty directly the questions that I put to him. And, and there were two takeaways. One is, Putin is immensely popular. You're talking about 82 <laughs> to 86% approval rating. right? And the other yeah. is, I said to him, what do the Russian people think of Joe Biden. And as soon as the translator translated that question, I saw a big smile on his face. And he said to me, Judge, you're not going to believe it. We have a phrase here in Moscow that is very common, and we all say it to each other every day. Thank you, Joe Biden. And I said, what do you mean? He said, thank you for the sanctions. Big deal. We don't have McDonald's anymore. We're now financially independent, and our economy is better today than it was two years ago. Yeah, And Putin gets the credit for that.
1: And so that's the point: is that he's he Putin has overcome every challenge brought to him by the feckless and destructive foreign policy of the Biden administration. The other thing that's happened here, it, you know, uh, some of the folks I listen to call it the the Project Ukraine. That is to say, the Western neocon effort to to do this. Right. The neocon effort was founded in the concept of of two outcomes they were seeking. First off, is the removal of Putin because I think they wanted to carve up the Russian Republic. I really do believe that. I think they thought, oh, uh, much like uh, someone, a short corporal in the 1930s, uh, I will not mention his name, believed that, oh, Russia's frail, and you just knock the door and it's going to collapse. Well, that wasn't true. And secondly, they wanted to actually sell out Ukraine. They believed, the neocons believed, and this is what I think was one of the, the, the underlying functions. It's not about democracy. Not, not remotely about democracy. And, and by the way, Putin's motivations aren't exactly all just about uh, securing the, the Russians in the four provinces within Ukraine. There's more to it than that. But the economics of this was what I think drove a lot of folks to support it. BlackRock and others really thought they were going to come in after the destruction of Ukraine, which is pretty much done, and then rebuild it. Huge investment opportunities. So, so much of what the neocon mantra is all about It's what can we destroy to rebuild? And and again, I'm not a neocon. I'm not remotely a neocon. I don't think we'd be friends if I was a neocon. uh, I do. I just just, I'm just speaking truthful here. You know, I just I don't (laughs) think. And but I just see what they do is is a very destructive uh, uh, use of of money and resources for purposes of trying to upend political regimes they don't like, and they don't like Putin. I think Putin symbolizes a, a, a failure on their part. And then, and Ukraine was going to be their big, uh, big uh, Christmas turkey to carve up.
0: Has Putin humiliated Joe Biden in Ukraine?
1: Yes. Uh, He humiliates, he he humiliates, he, Putin humiliates Joe Biden every time Joe Biden opens his mouth. I mean, look, look at what happened. There was a competing on Christmas. There were competing videos of, of Joe Biden and jill biden we all saw it. jill biden was sitting there and i think an abc interview jill biden sitting there with uh, with i think every dollar dollar uh, store christmas decoration for under a dollar on her on her shirt it looked great by the way i, I i'm a big believer in using low cost ornaments and she did a great job So a great job jill and and but you had joe biden uh, almost uh basically visibly distressed and trying to basically put words together to speak his Christmas message from, from, I guess the Virgin islands too. Not that there's any virgins there based on what I've heard about the, the wines, the the, uh, Epstein flight logs, but that's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, back to Putin. Now Putin in in competition with this was very clear. He did a policy rich speech and commentary where he looked like a world leader, right? I mean, Again, this is not Tony Schaefer speaking. This is something that anybody who has two eyes and half a brain can observe. Correct. So I'm I'm just saying that 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 J- Joe Biden has self inflicted the uh, the uh, the damage to his image, and Putin simply just stands there and speaks, and he he looks good because Biden looks so bad. Okay.
0: Do you think that it's the last question about Ukraine? Do you think the neocons yeah. Have recognized their failure in Ukraine and now want to divert our attention to Gaza and other events, China, whatever other international flashpoints there may be, because they don't want us dwelling on the hundred billion dollars we wasted and the 500,000 young men now gone and the 10 million Ukrainian refugees looking for a place to sleep in Europe. sleeping dogs now on digital that's sleepingdogsmovie.com Wondery.
1: I don't think so no I think there's other things they're dabbling in but at this point there's nothing like Ben Hodges general Ben Hodges recently did an interview I can't remember which one it was but I watched it within the last few days and Ben basically Ben Hodges says basically oh it's our fault it's our fault that the ukrainians have failed because we just didn't give them everything they needed uh, and I'm sitting there it's like 113. If you gave judge, if you gave me $113 billion and told me to go invade a country, it would be invaded and secured in six months. Just saying, and, I mean, and, not you that I would have or, it. and
0: you would have returned some of the cash. <laughs> I would have.
1: It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Hey. So, so no, I don't think, I don't think for a minute, they're now under this self-flatulation. Oh, we didn't do a good enough of selling the concepts to the West. So I think you're going to continue to see that. Plus, Zelensky, as you know, has announced publicly they're looking to, to bring up, call up another 500,000 troops, ostensibly for the defense of Ukraine, which is what they're going to have to go into. But aren't in they finished, posture.
0: Tony? Isn't Ukraine finished? If oh, I think it is, yeah.
1: Early? Look, I said at the beginning of the conflict, even with the initial Russian failures, no, there was no way Russia was going to be defeated. Uh, there was no way that Ukraine would prevail. Just It's not in the numbers. And at this point, it's the same thing. It's a numbers thing. Uh, There's absolutely no way. Russia is using between 10 and 25 percent of its military forces. Uh, Most people think it's lower. It's it's like 10 percent, not to 25. And it it, they're not even it's not even that like they're breathing hard to do this. And at the same time, they've moved they the Russians have moved their entire economy onto a wartime footing. As you point out, uh, the the Russian economy is way higher than it was before without Western interests or or or. uh, interoperability, and Putin's popular. Right, Putin uh, is actually doing those things which the Russians want done. I want to play for you
0: um, a a portion of the clip. So this is in a television studio in Moscow. Scott Ritter is there. Uh, This uh, Russian uh, gentleman Alexander is there, and the translator is there. Uh, But this is the uh, question I put to him and the answer that he gave. What do Alexander what do the Russian people think of the West of Western society of the US of the UK and of Western
2: Europe? Alexander, а что думают россияне о западе, о западном обществе, о США, о Великобритании, о западной Европе? Мы чётко отделяем народы этих стран от от руководства этих стран. We see a clear distinction between the uh, peoples of those nations and their political leadership. И очень к американцам. У нас нет никакого негатива к американцам. Я понимаю, что это может быть с учётом той пропаганды, которая США звучит удивительно, но я надеюсь, господин And um, Scott was able to witness that uh, there's uh... There are no negative feelings to uh, the um, US people. Scott could experience that. And um, Mr. Napolitano, I would invite you to come over and experience it yourselves. Uh, Your Your show is very popular in Russia. I checked today and uh, on YouTube, uh, the episodes of your show uh, have. um, 250 to 300,000 views. And I would like to use this opportunity to uh, congratulate the people of the United States from the people of Russia with uh, the holiday season, with the new year.
1: Isn't that
0: an interesting uh, observation? You know, the the questions were spontaneous. The answers were uh, spontaneous. And this is basically what you were saying before. We should be communicating with them. We should work with them irrespective of of what our moral view is of their leadership.
1: Right. Look, the the basic premise here uh, is that many of the Russian Federation's interests are very much aligned with U.S. republic with republic interests, global stability, strong trade. Uh, I know that we have a Christian based system, which I still look, I still I'm a Christian, I think it's a good idea. I think Christianity is not the evil that others portray it to be. Uh, Putin has, as I think, really bolstered the church in, in Russia. These are all common threads, which. I think if woven together would actually give a basis for both nations to work together. I have believed from uh, the days that I was a whistleblower on able danger, Kurt Weldon, Congressman Weldon, uh, we recognized he more than me, but he educated me. It's like, look, the Russians have a lot of the same enemies we do as a republic. So, you know, why on earth are we not actually having discussions, fruitful discussions now that the Cold War is over to try to figure out how to work together? And so this is what I, I find distasteful and, and, and completely unacceptable from the neocons, that they don't want to talk. They will actually go out of their way to, to spit on the idea of having a dialogue simply because it does not give them the power that they apparently uh, uh, thirst for. And it's, it's a shame because I think the neocons have pushed us in a position to miss opportunities to work with the Russians on areas of common interest. So.
0: Switching uh, gears um, to uh, the other hot spot, uh, Gaza and Israel. Yeah. Does assassinating leadership truly stifle an organization, or does it just make room for others to move up? Often, others just as tenacious, and sometimes more so than the person who was assassinated.
1: I, I don't. I don't know if there's a strong case of evidence one way or another. I think. I'm an information operations guy. Uh, Basically, I was taught as a very young case officer that uh, to do effective information operations, information warfare, everything from hacking a computer to an assassin's bullet is an information operation because the effect that you're trying to achieve will will have an effect in the information space, the perception space. Everything is based on perception, not reality. And so often when you examine the desired effect and outcome of a specific situation, a change of leadership, be it through peaceful means or unpeaceful, you know, through aggressive means of assassination or otherwise, it will have an effect. The question becomes, does the replacement of a leader portend uh, to have an effect you're trying to achieve? And I think that's the way I've, I've looked at events like that uh in the, in the current circumstance i think if you take someone out they're going to be replaced with someone who is equal if not a bit more aggressive with that said uh, if if they don't have the resources or followers to actually take up arms and do the work that they seek or direct to have done then it, it doesn't matter i think if you isolate an e- leader effectively that leader can become essentially a moot point and a, in a a, a period in history that that we move on from. So I, you know, that's I'm not I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that's the answer you're looking no, for. No, 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 Tony. It's a very, very astute answer. I mean, Max uh,
0: Blumenthal told us that the fellow that was assassinated uh, in Beirut was uh, one of the negotiators and played an integral part in the release of the um, Israeli hostages. Why kill yeah. that guy? I mean, l- at least get your hostages back first.
1: He's working well, with. I- I don't dispute what he's saying, but I, I do understand that he's also the linchpin. He was the linchpin between the Iranian leadership and the and the Hezbollah leadership. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, Hamas leadership, and he was there in, in Hezbollah controlled territory. So it, it's a point of diminishing returns. I, right. I wasn't, I have no direct knowledge of what the decision making tree was used for the the Israelis. I have no idea, but I'm saying There may have been a point of, okay, we're done with this guy. It's just time to knock him off. All right.
0: Now I want to um, just raise your blood pressure just a touch uh, to put America's Baghdad Bob on. This is Admiral (laughs) Kirby talking about first the so-called meritless, counterproductive South African lawsuit against the Israeli government at the International Criminal Court, and then uh, more specifically about whether... Uh, the U.S. thinks that Israel can eliminate Hamas. It's a little bit of a long answer, but it's um, it's fodder for your cannon.
3: Yeah. South Africa's filed this 84-page lawsuit against Israel, accusing them of genocide. Israel says that this is blood libel. Does Washington agree? And where does this put Washington and Pretoria? In we find the this uh, submission meritless, counterproductive, and uh, completely without any basis in fact whatsoever. What's the U.S. assessment of the
1: larger goal that Israel has set to eradicate Hamas? Is that still considered to be a realistic and wise military objective? I think I just answered
3: that with with Peter. Um, uh, We don't believe that military attacks alone are going to eradicate an ideology. Um, And it's not likely that you're going to get rid of every single Hamas fighter. Uh, So in that sense, I mean, you you, you still have to... uh, you still have to reconcile yourself with the fact that there may still be some Hamas uh, uh, around, even when your military operation is over. That said, uh, what, they, what they, they absolutely can do is eradicate the threat that Hamas poses to the Israeli people. And you can do that by going after leadership. You can do that by going after their infrastructure. You can do that by going after their resource. And we showed that with respect to ISIS and, and al-Qaeda. It can be done. ISIS and al-Qaeda still exist, but they are nowhere near. The kind of threats that they uh, that they once posed, so it can be done militarily. Sony. so
1: look, he's fundamentally has some correct information. I mean, the last five sentences he stated were accurate. I was part of the effort, as you know. I was an advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Joe Dunford, uh, who was the president, who was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs under both Barack Obama and Donald Trump for the first part of his term, and um, when. Given the guidance from Trump, not 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 Obama, Joe Biden was able to put together an effective strategy called "buy with and through" to work with our allies as the primary. You said leader.
0: Joe Biden, you met Joe Dunford.
1: Joe Dunford. So Joe Dun- <laughs> just <Jessica>. Oh boy,
0: <laughs> I can't picture Biden in a military uniform. But go ahead. Well, I
1: can, but he'd have to have you know he'd have the Fidel Castro look. But I'll, that's another story. <laughs> so for Joe Joe Dunford. He was given guidance. I actually delivered him the guidance to to figure out what he needed to do to defeat ISIS. And then he put... And by the way, this is in Chain of Command. We actually documented this in the National Geographic series. It talks about how this was done. And so, yeah, with with sufficient uh, political top cover with good leadership, and a clearly defined and uh, well-articulated set of guidelines and and orders, you can do it. And Kirby's correct. Uh, uh, ISIS was removed for... I'd say 85 to 90% of this the the terrain it had and for better or for for better or for worse they're not back they're still there. I mean some people believe that the attack in Tehran yesterday may have been an ISIS attack could be I don't know. I'm not I'm not there yet. But he's fundamentally correct in his assessment with that said what he and the 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 Biden White House has done regarding the Israelis is not match up. He's basically is a non sequitur he, he's saying, oh, this is the way we did ISIS. So this is the way we're doing it now. It's not. It's not. They right now are, are trying to play it down the middle. They're not giving the Israelis what they need. I mean, Even though there's these things, oh, they're signing this up. It's like, yeah, it's not really what they want, but they're giving them stuff. So the Israelis are kind of on their own. And I don't think that this White House, uh, Biden and and Kirby, will be part of anything. I swear, of fact, I think the Israelis— Basically, just tell them enough to make them feel that they're part of the conversation. What do you mean mean when you say
0: the Israelis are on their own? Every time we turn around, it's another hundred million dollars and there's still uh, 15 billion on the table for Congress to vote on. There is. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. No, I think the Israelis could manage without that 15 billion. I think that's why they're not yelling for it. I think, yes. have, Have we given them money? No doubt there's been money in the pipeline long before the, the conflict started as a matter of fact i would argue most of that money has, has come because of things which were already in standing agreements that were going to be uh, activated should this event happen i fundamentally don't believe the biden administration wants to supply the israelis for any with anything more than they have to because of domestic politics the more publicly that's acknowledged about biden support to the israelis the more that harms the progressive uh, movement uh, the 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 Hamas caucus is what they call them. I call them within the Democrat Party, is going to be key and critical to Joe Biden's re-election. Well, so that's Joe Biden,
0: Joe Biden is is caught between the donor is, class in the Democratic Party and the young progressives in the Democratic
1: Party. He correct. can't win
0: with he can't win without both of them in his camp. That's
1: correct, that's correct. Okay. So yeah, you're going to see support by the Biden White House, but I think much of that is going to be either uh, quietly pushed or otherwise you know, not acknowledged, and then he's going to say all the right things about trying to push for a ceasefire and everything else. Joe Biden, come on, Judge, you know Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the ultimate uh, empty man. I mean, uh, he, he is a vessel that is open to being uh, essentially uh, content poured into him for purposes of political expression based on whatever he thinks will benefit he, him as, a, as an individual and his party as a, as a group. And so I I don't see it any different here.
0: Tony, a pleasure, my dear friend. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, joining us. We look forward to your uh, regular uh, weekly appearances uh, in the year to come. Thank you, my friend.
1: Thanks, Judge. All the best.
0: Uh, Coming up uh, later today, Kyle Anzalone, uh, an anti-war and libertarian warrior who works with our good friend, uh, Scott Horton, will be here at two o'clock and at four o'clock You and me, ask the judge. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.